off the whole time. Oh, late to my own show, late to my own show. Well, listen, if I, is this just a zombie guy we're talking about? Or whatever he said. Jesus, it's right there when I need it. Thank you, Jesus. What do you need? You need what he needs to get 
Christmas for Sammy Hagar and Sammy J and Alice Cooper and Alice M.
C30 amp sound. No, it is not. Whoever said that is full of it. The Standales played Standale amplifiers. There was an amplifier company called Standales. I'm telling you, they made little PA systems, all that. The Standales with Dirty Water kickstarting our top rock countdown this week. The Roots of Hard Rock. You know what? I need a drink. I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get my buzz on before we do this whole countdown. I already got one down, but before I go on any further, but somebody blend me up something nice, okay? Woo! Oh, yeah. Listen to that. Oh, yeah. Listen to that. Ooh. Little more rum. Sammy's Beach Bar rum, that is. <laughs> hey, get that other stuff out of here. That'll make the call down and hurt your back. Thank you. That's starting to look good. Frothing up like that. That's enough. It's enough. Okay, thank you, bring that in here. All right, thank you. All right, next up on the Top Rock Countdown is one unique character in Arthur Brown and his band, The Crazy World of Arthur Brown. I once heard a story that Arthur Brown had a photographic memory or whatever they say it is. So he would go into the studio to sing a, a lead track, uh, sing the lead vocals on a track, and he would look at the lyrics, throw them over his shoulder, and start dancing and doing that crazy dance he used to do, and just start singing the, the lyrics without reading them. He just knew them. I mean, he just memorized them. I heard that. It could be a rumor, but I heard that from an engineer that supposedly worked on one of his uh, records and also worked on one of mine. I won't tell you who it is in case he was lying. Okay, this might be the first early hard rock track to use no guitar and no bass. So unique when you can make a hard rock classic with zero guitars how in the hell you do that welcome to the crazy world of arthur brown with fire on sammy hagar's top rock countdown i am the god of hellfire and i bring you
Heather Brown and fire deep from the vaults of the roots of hard rock. The man behind the drums, Carl Palmer, who later was in Emerson Lake and Palmer, was 17 when that track was recorded. Wow. By the way, Carl Palmer was also in a group called Asia from the 80s. Coming up, hot off the success of their first album and the song Born to Be Wild, Children Wolf released their second oh. album in 1968 and their hit with Magic Carpet Ride, Asia It Was, was the Born. Kitty of all and I mean, the it was born. To dream, yeah, right between my sound machine. Came from listening to a new stereo that my man had bought with the money from his first album. I bet he's got plenty of money now. Well, wait a minute. Maybe not now. It's been a long time. But I bet he had plenty of money to burn. He could have bought five or six new stereos. But anyway, okay. It's time to go on a magic carpet ride with Steppenwolf. I'm Sammy Hagar, and this is my Top Rock Countdown.
1988, singer John Kay teamed up with the Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five to do a hip-hop remake of this song. Like Aerosmith and Run DMC did with Walk This Way. Come on now! Woo! Are we rapping yet? <laughs> Oh, 
protesters and he was helping protesters. Right. And in the so midst of neutral. He was totally neutral. He was just trying to be, you know, loving, you know, presence of Jesus and, and witnessing in that midst. Well, sadly enough, they took him in and accused him of insurrection. He's been in prison for three months now, three and a half months. Uh, beaten and kind of forced to give a false confession, which he refuses to do. This guy's only 21 years old. Wow. He finally, after two and a half months, got to make a phone call to a family member. And he said, Mom, Dad, uh, this is huge. There's a, a pandemic raging in the prison. Doctors and nurses are coming in, but they need help. And they're like, well, what, what do you mean you need help? He goes, well, there's no oxygen here, and people are dying. And there, there's not enough ventilation for these people, given their lungs and Lord Jesus, the uh, COVID-19. Please give them air. Can you get us some oxygen? And help them Which to stop believing in the disease. Oh. 
the center of your mind. listeners to pray how do we pray for what's going on in Myanmar right now 
I, I, I pray for a renewal, um, especially amongst the, the military. I, I think that, uh, you know, God has the power over the powers and principalities Amen. of this earth. And we need to appeal to him to uh, kind of reveal himself to them and bring a sense of what's best for our country. So I'd say that's one prayer uh, item. The second is pray for those under pressure. Um, the church today is under enormous pressure, whether or not they're in prison or simply just trying to stay alive in their home um, and guarding their home, worried that someday they'll, they'll come and steal my daughter. So pray for them as they face those trials. And then, you know, of course, with all the, the political and government stuff happening on Myanmar, that's just creating more challenge on the local level. Their economy's blasted, um, the pandemic's raging, and so please pray, you know, as we pray for our own countries, pray for the, the pandemic to go away, yeah, and, and to pray, for, pray, for, pray for the pandemic to be conquered, and for the economy <coughs> to revive. All those things would be helpful. Yeah, because, uh, you know, we think about persecution, and that obviously affects Christians, yeah. but if the economy is in shambles, that affects Christians too, just Absolutely. like it affects everyone else. So. So those are those are legitimate ways to pray for our Christian brothers and sisters, to pray for health, to pray for the economy to revive. Amen. Joe, I know another country that you are active in is Sri Lanka, and we most of us heard Sri about Lanka. persecution in Sri Lanka a couple years ago Sri on Lanka. Sunday. Yeah. There were bombings, multiple bombings of multiple churches. Uh, what has happened in the wake of those bombings with the church in Sri Lanka? So the church in Sri Lanka really rallied around those uh, three or four churches, I believe, that were bombed, um, some of which were actually friends of Asian Access. Um, and so the alumni of our ministry in the entire country, which is virtually every denomination, I'm sure many VOM partners, <laughs> um, uh, they, they rose to the occasion. They went out, got supplies, went and helped those people in need, came alongside those who had been burned or wounded in the burnings of the bombings, um, really assisted. And then they've tried to rise above the fray and be a light for Christ in the midst of the persecution and pressure that's happening in the country. Uh, to the point where they'll have churches that are burned down um, and they will go and rally behind that family. Um, it's really powerful to watch. One story in particular really captures me. Uh, there was an entire village that was under, I forget which religious group, because there's there's predominantly a, you know Hindu um, or Buddhist groups in right. there, but there are some Hindu villages, right. and I can't remember which one it was, but there was a, a radical religious group dominating an entire village, threatening uh, the local church in that community, and saying that if any of you outsiders come here to help them, we're going to kill you. So they went in, you're not gonna believe this, they found out that that uh, religious community, their computers had broken down. So they went and bought them new computers and actually helped them fix it. Wow. And that allowed them to go into the community, come alongside the local churches. They established a community center in this village that is now reaching the entire community. And the, awesome. the, the religious groups, That's like, awesome. uh, I can't remember if it's Buddhist or Hindu, but they're like, 
what in the world just happened here? <laughs> you know, it's really amazing. So in the midst of these scenarios, when we are displaying the love of Christ, have a Christ, great day. Then we have the opportunity to speak the truth of Christ. My colleague from Sri Lanka, he often says, Jesus came to share grace and truth. And he says, sometimes we push truth before we push grace. And he says it's critical that we have grace as a prelude yeah. to truth. And when we're apparently, hospitable, apparently we're I was getting some of that Taylor energy. Them, we're displaying grace, and then let's open up the truth. Actually, Isn't I'm that powerful? It is very powerful. And, and you I said think, it first. You know, there's there's such a lesson for us there. You know, where do we see a need? Maybe it is. Maybe it's not a need that we would normally say, well, hey, I can I help you. with that. But, oh, they need Trust me, I know. Great. That's an open door. If we meet a need, like you say, then we have an opportunity to speak truth after we've shown grace. We're talking today on That's Voice of the Waters Radio with Joe Handley. He is grace the president of Asian truth. Access. <laughs> Joe, as we think about Sri Lanka, how, how do we pray? How do our listeners pray for that country? Uh, you know, the, the bombing now is several years in the past. Those, those churches are still functioning, they're still ministering. How do we pray for that country? So the pandemic has been raging in Sri Lanka and it, it's it's increasingly a challenge. And they're very um, under kind of lockdown conditions. So that, I would say first and most, foremost is pray for the uh, quelling of COVID-19 in the country. Um, and then in the midst of that, that they can continue to be, they reach out to the widows and orphans all the time. Even in the midst of COVID, they're out risking their own lives, trying to help the people of their nation. Joe, there's one more country that we want to talk about, and that's India. And I know India uh, India is a country with a lot of persecution. India is a country where uh, the president of the country thinks every Indian should be a Hindu. Right. Uh, and if you're not a Hindu, you ought to go find a different place to live, uh, or you ought to convert. You ought to become a Hindu, and that's true whether you're a Muslim, whether you're a Christian, whatever you are. Right. You really should be a Hindu if you're going to live on our Indian Hindu soil. How is that affecting Asian access? How is it affecting the gospel work in India? Oh, I think it's enormous impact on the gospel. You, you see uh, persecution rising in different parts of the country, and some of it is, you know, influenced by the RSS group that's behind, you know, the government uh, move. Um, and that's just put enormous pressure. We've had pastors that have been so um, kind of the, the business owners that own the buildings they meet in. Their rents have tripled oh, wow. uh, for just holding church services. Uh, they're not allowed to park in the in that building complex anymore. It's just enormous, and so we really do need to pray for them. Uh, you know, similar to the other stories I told today, though, one of the powerful things we were able to see over the last few years is you may know the ministry called Compassion International. You probably yeah, heard that. I, I have. You know, coming alongside kids from age, you know, preschool all the way through high school and giving them after-school programs, food. It, it's really amazing. Um, well, sadly, uh, Compassion was completely shut down in India. And the very month that it was shut down, an Asian Access cohort decided to rise to the occasion. They adopted three entire cities of Compassion kids. Wow. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> so they, yeah, they, this is a cohort of 12 or 13 people, 12 or right? 13 people, and they just said, wow, Compassion has made such an impact on our country. We need them, but now they can't come. 
about it. So we're going to do it ourselves. Now, they, they, obviously, they can't do the entire country, but they are literally calling their friends in other cities saying, hey, here's what we're doing. We've adopted these, I don't know how many thousands of kids in each of these mega cities. Wow. And uh, they're personally paying out of their pocket, having their families involved, getting their businesses involved, getting their churches involved. And that kind of effort really sends a signal uh, to other people. And they're watching us. People are watching us. And, and so that kind of thing just shows up of society. Those are the kinds of things we're seeing from the Indian church. Now that said, there is pressure and they desperately need our prayers. In fact, uh, groups like uh, you guys and us, it's increasingly difficult to work in those places. Uh, transferring money is hard. So we really need to pray for these indigenous movements that they can get to the point of even sustainability long term. Um, I, I'd say that's a breakthrough concept for India is can they get to the point of full sustainability locally because the doors seem to be shutting on a massive scale. Well, there, it's yeah, interesting that the compassion story that as I understand it, part of the complaint was we don't want we don't want foreign That's Christians right. coming into our country and, and indoctrinating our children. So what a great way for the Indian church to step up and say, no, no, we're not foreign Christians. We're Indian Christians. We live here. This is our country, and we're going to take care of these kids. Exactly. Um, it, it's a powerful kind of picture of how Jesus works, anywhere. right? And talk about sustainability. They rose the education. They're funding the things themselves. So the potential is Thank there. You, Jesus.